yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Nice. Smell that dope when I pass by. Oh. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got the Duke himself, Dan the Man. Hey, what's happening? And also with us, we got DC. What up, doe? All right, welcome to the podcast, fellas. Got us a, a special, beautiful day outside, day drinking episode. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Sunday's my fun day. <laughs> it's it's the best time of year to start day drinking, you know. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, drinking, I got to uh, agree with my man DC, he uh, had fucking super recommendation for this Boss Tweed beer. And uh, yeah, it's not disappointing. It lives up to the hype. I must say I have to give that credit to another uh, one of our uh, fellow co-hosts. I was over his house for a fight party and uh, I had some stout, I believe, that day and we traded one. It was one of the most delicious beers I've had. And so, of course, I had to let everybody know. Yeah, it's good. It's from... Uh... It's another local brewery here in uh, Michigan from Williamston. I like it. it uh, and it follows the whole uh, bad guy vibe with a boss tweed. I, I wish I would have brought a Tammany Hall episode just to stay on brand. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the great things about Tank. Like He's a super duper duper beer snob, but he also loves to just swap beers. Like That's the kind of guys you want to hang out with. Well, I will say this. It's not like I swapped him a Bud Light. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that Naughty Girl Stout, I believe it was. I think it was, yeah. See, that's that, that's sad. Like, I'm not sure what my anniversary is, <laughs> but I remember what beer you traded for at the Deontay Wilder fight. <laughs> As I discussed last time, I'm still hard in training for this 5K I got coming up. Thank God to Bell's Brewery, I don't have to kick craft beers completely and go to Mick Ultra. So I'm going again with the uh, Bell's Lighthearted Ale, a lifesaver for all the craft beer fat guys. I'm trying to watch Super their figure. Light. What, uh... Well, Trey, have you really been training for that? Yeah, I switched to lighthearted ale. <laughs> Were you listening? Well, no, because I'm, I'm, I got that same what run coming up. What more do you want? Well, I got, well no, because I got that same run coming up, and I've been failing on my run in front. Like, I ran for a few days, and, like, that was it. And now it sort of dawned on me, like, oh, yeah, there is a 5K right around. And I was saying, like, what if Locke's, like, practice? Because my whole goal is as long as I do better than you, I'm happy. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you should be fine. All right. <laughs> I'm fairly money though. Like uh, the like Burt Kreischer, I got that Mickey Mantle gene. Like I'll show up on game day. I'm ready to go. See, that's what I'm relying on too. I gave up uh, all fast food. That was my way of training. I gave up fast food, and then the last week I just binged. I think I ate fast food every day this week. <laughs> well, technically, so if I fail, I didn't fail. Burt Kreischer failed us. That's what I'm gonna go with. <laughs> well, for me. I'm actually not having a beer today. I have a good old cold brew coffee with a little vodka in it, and I like to call it my uh, my triple stout. A little Russian coffee? Yes. Yeah, I like uh, I like to go with the Irish coffee sometimes when it's colder out. Put a little uh, little shot of Bailey's and a little shot of whiskey. No, real men take vodka. <laughs> the funny thing is, a good cold brew on an empty stomach in the morning, it gives you a buzz by itself. Mm-hmm. 
Once you put a little vodka in it, it's just, you know, it's almost like you start seeing the sun with the little rays around it smiling at you. <laughs> just know it's going to be one of it's those a beautiful days. day. You wake up, you feel like man. <laughs> we, we've officially uh, turned the corner from drink aficionados to drunks at yes. this point. Yes. When you wake up early in the morning and you start drinking, I'm telling you, you're living the dream, right? Yeah. Hashtag goals. <laughs> Hashtag omelets and alcohol. <laughs> we'll go ahead and get started. Bad guy we're going to be covering today is Henry Starr. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface. Final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Oh, little Hank Starr. And as we can see, Henry Starr has no AKAs because when your name's Henry Starr, you don't need a fucking nickname, apparently. The, with the two R's, he could be another pirate. Henry Starr. <laughs> he's, he's a cosmic pirate. I almost feel like any name other than Henry goes with Star better. <clears throat> I gave him the one name that like, ah, that's before Star. Yeah, H- Henry Starr could either be a badass name or he could be a member of KISS. Yeah. Like it could go I'll either way. I'll definitely drop it to Hank Starr. So now looking at that name, I have no idea what he would be as a bad guy. Henry Starr. I would almost say would be like the name of a guy that sells drugs. So based on the time frames that we usually do, I'm going to say he ran bulls. That's my guess. See, this is my favorite part of the podcast. It's <laughs> one that I dropped on different podcasts. You want is when DC predicts the future. <laughs> Nobody asks him what do you think is going to happen. He just takes it upon himself. No, I'm making some predictions, bitches. That's right. And you know what? You're right. Like nine, anytime I make a prediction, we had a bootlegger who moved to Detroit, heavy boot. So I was like. I'm going to go ahead and guess he's going to stick to bootlegging. No, that motherfucker did no more bootlegging. Like, I was way Anytime you you just saw a name, and now I think this guy's going to be a drug dealer. Now you, just now you jinxed me. Henry Starr was born December 2nd, 1873 in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. All right, so this is going to be an Old West one. All right. We were just talking about Tombstone before this began. I'm digging yes. this now. I'm ready for some outlaws. Well, like that's just because I'm always going to make movie references. And since it's the only movie DC's ever seen, <laughs> if he's on, I have to make sure I cover yes. a guy that I can make Tombstone references about. <laughs> and before, uh, because I love the Old West, this is like my jam. Like, I'm just going to say during this time in Oklahoma, Oklahoma was heavy Indian territory and shit. Oklahoma was like a wild place back in the day. People think about Tombstone and like Texas and shit. Oklahoma was wild back in the day and during the Wild West times. Well, I, I actually have a note about that on here. It said uh, the northeastern corner of Indian territory was often referred to as the land of the six gun and the robber's roost. Now, I know there's also a robber's or a robber's roost in Utah. Before you send me some hate mail or something, <laughs> take it up with the Oklahoma Historical uh, Society. It's, it's like you don't know anything. You need to do better research. Like that's in every state. There's one everywhere. So there's plenty of robbers roosts. Anywhere that has a roost where someone has ever robbed is now becomes a robber's roost. Robber's roost. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves alliteration. They're going to throw that shit in every town. Also, a little uh, side thing in Oklahoma near the some. Cimarron Valley, there's a whole section of land they call the Outlaw Flats. That's just where all criminals and stuff bought little houses and plots of land. So yeah, they had nice. a whole the whole like subdivision of outlaws back in the day. 
Well, Henry Starr, both both of his parents were mixed blood Cherokees. Now, his mother, Mary, came from a respectable family, but his father, George, came from what was known as the, the outlaw Starr clan. His grandpa, Tom Starr, was an outlaw known as the Devil's Own. What's his nickname? The Devil's Own. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we hear a lot of nicknames. That one's pretty sweet. Yeah. See, and Henry Starr gets none. He can't be the Devil's Own Own. Right? The 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 Devil's Own sp- Spawn or something? <laughs> yeah. Spawn of the Devil's Own? Now, this is the question. Mm-hmm. Was that name, especially by him being mixed Cherokee, was that his name in English or was that a Cherokee name and it was translated into that? Because if so, I'd love to hear how it sounded in, in Cherokee. Like I would be able to pronounce that. Yes, you would. <laughs> that, would ne- that would never be able to happen. I would have to butcher that poor man's, uh, you know, this indigenous language with my bullshit. He who runs with devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe that's David Lee Roth. <laughs> Uh, His uncle, Sam Starr, was a horse and cattle thief that was killed in a shootout with a deputy. And he was married to a lady named Belle Starr, who's known as the Outlaw Queen, who spent time running with both the James and Younger gang. Henry never liked her. And any time it would come up, he would always point out that that was only his aunt through a marriage. So so everybody talk talk about his grandpa Devil's Own and his uncle Sam Starr, the horse thief. But you bring up Belle Starr, but hey, marriage only. Marriage only. Man, I wonder what the fuck she did to him. (laughs) She's not a blood relative. She probably, because it sounds like she's been running with all these gangs. She's just an outlaw groupie. Right. He probably doesn't like her. Like, man, she's just chase my uncle because he stole some horses that's it i also have reasons to believe that he probably wasn't fond of people that weren't cherokee oh either way in 1886 henry's father died and just a couple months later she remarried a man named named cn walker who henry hated henry felt he was inferior because he had no native blood and within a couple months of her remarriage he left home that's right you're not bringing a cherokee into this house i'm leaving right how dare you bring this white man (laughs) to my dad's table (laughs) so at the age of 16 henry went out on his own and he got a job at a ranch in a place called uh nawada so it was one of the biggest ranches in the indian territories at that time, he had his first run-in with the law. He was driving a wagon, and he got pulled over by a couple marshals, and he had whiskey in the wagon, and he was arrested for introducing spirits into the territory. See, I just oh, love yeah. to see this old running away. They had, like, a candle that kept on lighting and unlighting while a guy yelled, like, Oh! <laughs> like, chasing him down in the wagon, waving red and white flags. <laughs> flags around. Like, Pull over! <laughs> Oh, man. No, I, th- I think that's exactly how it went. That's my next okay. note. You have any booze in the car, sir? How much have you been drinking tonight? So they do... Please turn off your horses, sir. They do some bootlegging and whiskey uh, trading in this, and I don't understand why it's illegal, because I feel like in the Wild West, there's still, like, bars and saloons and shit, but... But they had so many weird little laws. Like, there were a lot of dry counties back in the day. Just because, like, a lot of people, through the whole gun rights thing, also don't realize a lot of time in Wild West, like you weren't allowed to have your gun in town we made a big deal out of that in the tombstone thing because that seems to be the one story a lot of people know but during that time a lot of towns had those rules like there were so many weird rules about whiskey except back in the day there were a lot of uh rules about rot gut that was a type of whiskey that they would cut with like turpentine and all sorts of nasty shit so i think that's when they started having regulations to try to stop people from fucking dying from 
inhaling paint thinner and shit. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, based on the times, everything was still so spread out. And you had all these different counties or whatever, different cities that different towns that kind of had their own rules. It's no different than, of course, now the days that we live in, you have all these states legalizing marijuana. But if you think about back when we were growing up, when it was illegal everywhere, you still had cities like your, you know, areas of Ann Arbor and stuff like that, where if you get caught with marijuana, it was literally a fine. Decriminalized. Yeah, it was like, ah. don't do that. Give me the weed. Pay this money. You yeah. know, when you go somewhere else, that's jail time. Mm-hmm. You know, so. They probably busted on a stew. Like the same way a cop can pull you over for like, uh, your light over your license plate was out. Like they just wanted to see what was up with this Indian guy. I was going to say, he's a 16 year old Cherokee <laughs> driving around in a fucking, yeah. in, a, in a wagon. Like, you know what? Let's, well, kind of like you said, just a uh, typical now, you know, profiling. <laughs> Like, oh, this guy's got something on him. Let's pull him over. We can find something. I can't something. help but to have it in my head, just this cartoon thing of them, like, hiding behind a bush, and they cruise through, and they're like, boop, and they pull out. Like, I remember I got pulled over once, and I know I got pulled over for nothing, and the guy made up something when he got up to me. I asked why he pulled me over. He said, because I had an air freshener on my rear view mirror. It's no way he saw that air freshener. No, I got that Still to this day, I will not put an air freshener on my rear view mirror for that reason. But my point is, it's no way he saw that air freshener yeah. from the angle he was at. But when he got up to me, he's like, oh, yeah, air freshener. That's why I pulled you over. <laughs> yeah, I got I got caught on the whole air freshener thing. I mean, I had a suspended license, so that's really what it was. But uh, he said, he said the uh, air freshener was the reason why. Well, I'll say this. On my time when I did get pulled over with a suspended license, it's a long story, so I won't tell it, but those were the coolest cops ever. It was like right before Christmas, and had they taken me to jail, I would have been in jail until like New Year, and they let me go. I get pulled over twice in that day. So thank you to those cops. I don't know their names, but those guys were great. Well, hey, I had a bunch of roaches <laughs> in my ashtray, and this cop didn't bust me for the weed, and this was like five years ago. So, hey, white privilege or whatever it was, thank you, <laughs> Southgate officer. He ended up pleading guilty to the crime. But he always maintained his innocence, and he said he borrowed the wagon and didn't know the whiskey was in it, but he just still pled guilty. And this is our guy? Yes, Henry Starr. So I was right on the bull so far? Uh, Yeah. How is that possible? In 1873. <laughs> like, I didn't know that was a crime at the time. Mm-hmm. See? See, he's calling things that aren't even crimes. And it's like, somehow this guy's illegal. So now you still got it right. Something in the name. I got, I got a feeling he's going to get popped for introducing spirits into the territory. Well, he said he's going to be a... He's going to be a drug dealer. Like, Coke isn't even a thing back now. Like, somehow this guy is going to become White Boy Rick and, like, slang some crack and shit. Like, this I isn't even his, a thing. How did you know? I think his name will be Rick and they will call him White Boy. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, this guy's going to be, like, slinging opium in, like, two paragraphs. After he got out, he returned to Nevada where he kept working as a cowboy. He had a real talent for cowboy uh, work. He could ride well, all the basic. You, you know, I'm I'm such a such a rugged wild western man. You know, all that cowboy stuff that I can't name. Well, That's I mean, it rustling really cattle. Is. <laughs> well, it really is what we would call sur- survivalist shit now. Is just being able to be out in the woods. 
even when you're in a town, you're just in what we would consider a log cabin. Like, so even that's roughing it. But to be out in the wild, like, you have to know how to start fires from nothing. They didn't have lighters and shit. You had to be able to hunt for your shit. You had to know, like, direction, like, moss grows on this tree. If you got bit by a rattlesnake, you know how. So everything that we would consider, like, survivalist shit, that's what they would have to be known for. And just being comfortable out there in the woods, in the dark. And you got all the cattle doing. There's a lot of grizzly bear attacks. Like, you know, so a lot of the cowboy work, it's really just being able to be out there in the woods without losing your shit and knowing what to do yeah kind of a general survivalist absolutely and also you know like herding cattle and you know different animals as as you go if you have a large group of cattle and back then of course this is before all the garbage we have now with the corn feeding the the cattle if they eat up a land you got to be able to get them to more food that they can graze on yeah so you got to move them find open land let them graze things of that sort so And uh, another little side thing is uh, cowboys was a very popular thing for outlaws because a lot of people that did that are because they can't last in cities. Like they just, they get drunk, they start fights, like all, all the 'er ne'er-do-wells. So like, it's like, yeah, throw me on the horse kick me out in the woods i'll just drink whiskey and watch these cows and be good and i'll let you didn't have to know how to read you didn't have to be smart you just had to be tough and know how to last in the woods so a lot of outlaws that's what they would do to lay low is get a job give a fake name and just rustle some cattle for a little while well, yeah because if, if you could if you could shoot and ride a horse that's 90 percent of kind of what we need you out here doing and <laughs> most outlaws could do that and and by most records henry stark could ride the fuck out of a horse He kind of was just working as a cowboy until December 1891, where he got arrested for uh, horse theft and was locked up in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And this is a crime that he always, he he always said that he didn't commit it and that he was basically set up because he was a Cherokee and they were just kind of trying to frame him. Playing the old red card, eh? But, I mean, he maintained that for pretty much the rest of his life, so... He, he's always pretty insistent that he really didn't do that one. Because the last one he did plead guilty to and he didn't even do it. So to be insistent I didn't do it, you kind of maybe believe him. Fool me once, can't, can't, fool me can't get fooled again. <laughs> no, but I mean, horse thievery, that was, All that's one of those great things. quote. Trying to throw strategy. No, but uh, horse thieving back in the day, that was a hangable offense. Like, that was some serious shit. Like, that was almost like like the way samurais would call, like, dishonor. Like, if you say you're a horse thief, like, that's, like, a big insult. Like, they took that shit. Like, horses were livelihoods. So, like, being a horse thief was... A, like, there's people that would rob banks and be like, nah, I ain't no horse thief. Like, <laughs> that shit was serious shit. Right, you, you get in a shootout in the street and you tell the officer, no, it's okay, Sheriff, he called me a horse thief. And they're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, fuck. <laughs> His cousin bailed him out, and as soon as he got out, he jumped bail. Two deputies, Marshal Henry C. Dickey and Floyd Wilson, were given his warrants. When Henry Starr jumps bail, he decides basically at this point, all right, I'm a wanted man. I guess this is just what we're doing. He decides to go pro, and uh, he puts together a small gang, three dudes. He found, uh, it was a local whiskey runner named Jesse Jackson, and uh, his partner named Ed Newsom. I love how all these guys, when they finally decide, as you said, to go pro, the first thing is, I have to put together a game. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly where my head was at, dude. Who could I like, recruit? You know what? To They're going to call leagues. me a horse thief. I'm getting the band together. Let's round them up. Like, immediately, it's Avengers time. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting a gang together. Like, who's... Yeah, immediately. That's their first move is like, no, if I'm a do bad i need some partners in this 
I feel like it's kind of a gangster move. Like, I don't know how we recruited this gang to where this guy already had a whiskey operation. And Henry was like, hey, you want to join my gang? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, so let's go run our whiskey operation. <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. I don't think that's me joining your gang. I feel like you just took yeah. over my operation. <laughs> hey, you guys got a whole whiskey operation? You want to join me? <laughs> All right. What do you have? Well, a couple of years ago, I got busted for a few spirits. Great. Let's do it. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I got an amateur status in the bootlegging business. Exactly. Well, I mean, that might actually be what they needed was a good uh, runner. Yeah. Somebody to be able to run it back and forth. They knew how to make the shit. They didn't know how to deal it. They kicked around uh, with the whiskey running for a little bit, but the money wasn't quite where Henry wanted. He had big dreams and he seemed to be. He's a shooting star. You can't hold him back. Well, and he seemed to be pretty, like a lot of his crimes, he's known to be pretty successful because he was pretty meticulous. He planned, he planned his shit out pretty detailed, cased a lot of it in advance, which at the time just people weren't doing. They were just riding into town, shooting shit out. So he would case places. He did careful planning. He did mapping. He would work out time-wise, like how, you know, nowadays a criminal would get like a uh, police response time. But now, as opposed to a couple minutes, then response time would be like a couple weeks. Right. So, but he would space his crimes out from spot to spot between, because so he would find out like, okay, the police are responsible for this territory. So he would commit a crime on one side of the territory and he knew like, okay, it's going to take a couple weeks for the police to get on this. And then he'd do his next crime all the way on the other side of the same territory. He, he was smart. He was good at what he did. See, and we talk about that shit going all the way into like... The 80s, you hear crimes of different cop precincts not putting shit together because they worked in different jurisdictions and shit. And shit, even the FBI wasn't made till shit. I don't know what, like, the Lindbergh baby and shit, where they were able to, like, go, like, nationwide and, like, the U.S. Marshals and shit. Like, back in the day, you definitely, as long as you went, like, a couple days in another direction, yeah, they had no idea you just robbed that bank over there. Like, yeah. back in the day, they had no clue what was going on. Well, and, by, and by the time they, by the time they get it together, to even go check it out all of a sudden you just hit someplace way on the other side of fucking oklahoma absolutely you you had to figure what had to happen for all of this stuff to be shared was this little thing you know this little thing nobody probably hasn't heard of it called the internet <laughs> that really could connect everything together and then you had to have these programs that really allowed uh these different organizations to speak with each other securely so it takes a while for all of that to you know come together so to your point uh you know 1800s you know we're uh you know the internet was like a pigeon with a note on it oh no they had the, <laughs> they had the internet it was called the telegraph that was their whole thing the way that in the a precinct started to talk to each other and get that whole thing hooked up back in the day i don't know exactly what you're probably around this time i know it's late to 1800s is when the telegram really starting the telegraph really started taking off and that really did have a huge effect on the amount of robberies and shit because they could start getting the word out and shit a little bit more and some of those towns at that time when you get in a transition period and this would be more like early 1900s and stuff like that but you see pictures of these towns it looks like a western town and then there's like the thing with the horses out front but then there's the telegraph lines and a car down the street like you know it's like this weird mix of yeah. the still wild west but you start to see like these signs of you know major city life it's like seeing self-driving teslas on the road right now well and a lot of people hate it <laughs> it was just like seeing power lines and shit like 
the government had to do that in an imminent domain shit to like be able to put telegram and there's big uh right well i don't know if there's riots or protests whatever about putting that line through people's lands and like it wasn't just criminals but just normal people would go up there and like cut the lines because they didn't want that shit around yeah the telegram coming through was a big fucking deal back in the day Eminent domain still happens today. Yeah, all the time. I remember because we were all cable guys and shit. Like, you always get that person. You're doing, like, their neighbor shit, but the poles in their backyard. So then they want to, you can't go up there because you, like, hey, man, intimate domain. Comcast allows me to go up this pole to fix your neighbor's cables. Like, I compare the, like, the towns at that time, like, that in-between status. There's that World War One picture of the German soldier that's on a horse with a machine gun and a gas mask <laughs> like it's just so fucking bizarre yes. to see like oh wait a minute so we're at war with machine guns but we're still at war with horses yes it reminds me of like 2008 2009 seeing rappers on stage one would have baggy wide pants the other one would be wearing skinny jeans <laughs> like what is happening right now the crossover you know tom star decides your little whiskey running thing was fun, but we're moving on to bigger, better things. And then in July of 1892, they committed their first robbery. They robbed the Nawalta Railroad Depot. So he didn't want to go far from home. Apparently, he's a little bit lazy. <laughs> it's me, Henry, from the ranch I worked at down the street for years. I'm here to rob you. It's like we always say here on uh, Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Keep it local. <laughs> <laughs> he robs the Nawalta Railroad Depot, and they got $1,700, which is $48,000 modern equivalent. Ooh, Damn. Nice look for you folks. <laughs> Way to go time. inflation. Right. <laughs> well, because we have done stories of people that robbed a railroad depot and got handfuls of silk and laces. So, yeah, you know, $1,700 is a much better haul. Who needs garments? Oh, yeah. But what did you that came out to be 47, 48,000? 48, 48,000. Damn, yeah, that is a good, between three people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. First one out, too. Yeah, that was, well, they're on a roll. That's what I like doing the research for this, is I had always thought, okay, yeah, you know, old-time robbers. You rob banks, and you rob trains, and you rob stagecoaches. The more research I've done, how common robbing railroad depots was at that time. I never knew that. And now it turns out there was way more railroad depots robbed than there ever was fucking banks. Why wait for the train to be moving? Let's get it while it's still just depoted up. Plus, I would guess, you know, back in those days, the bank was more of, you know, kind of the old school promissory note type of deal. So if people are coming into town, they're coming with their valuables and then they have to get to a bank for holding, right? So why not get them before they get to that bank for holding, get them at the depot. Yeah. <laughs> well, and banks a lot of times weren't banks like we think of them today. They were more like credit unions, but way more to the extreme. Like there's a bank in town what holds that money is all the people that are surrounding you in that town. Yeah. Like there's a lot of situations when people go to rob a bank and the townsfolk started shooting at them cause you're stealing their shit. Mm -hmm. But like a railroad shit, like that's for like the access that's getting moved overseas and shit. That's not like the local people shit so yeah. much. So they, they like to hit depots and stores. We've kind of discovered like at the time, general stores were a big source of money. You only have that one store for miles and miles and miles, that's where all your cash crops and Dollar it, General. In November, <laughs> in November, they hit a Shuffelt store and a Carter store in Sequoia and in Indian Territory. So when they started off, they kept all their robberies right in the little Cherokee Territory. See, for someone that's something that's so someone that has such like Cherokee pride, like I don't like people that ain't got Cherokee. I'm a rob. 
where are you going to rob? From all Cherokee places? <laughs> like, well, that's when loyalty goes wrong, my man. That's when you got to twist it. You got to rob where you can blend in at. Yeah, I'm you so, got to do it local around you. Yeah, I'm so pro-Cherokee, I only rob Cherokees. Like, God damn, dude. December 1892... Deputy Marshals Dickey and Floyd Wilson, they were pretty close to Henry, and they, they got to a ranch that was eight miles from Nevada, where they'd heard that the gang would be staying. And then one day on December 13th, the lawmen were eating at the Dodge Ranch when they got word that someone had spotted Henry. So they ran out to go get on their horses to go find him, and Wilson's horse was already saddled, so he jumped on his horse and bounced. His partner's horse wasn't saddled yet, so it took him longer to get going. I thought it was going to be the old banana in the tailpipe trick. <laughs> So Wilson finds Henry, and now he's out by himself, and he found Henry in an opening in, on Wolf Creek. Wilson ordered Henry to surrender, and a gunfight ensued. That old school, no time for backup fucking mentality and shit. I'm going in! Probably shouldn't have, because they got in a shootout, and then at one point, Wilson's rifle jammed, and Henry shot and killed him. Damn. Gotta wait for your backup. I think that kind of speaks to, like, the cowboy we were talking about earlier, is kind of that overall little bit of skills with everything. Mm -hmm. You see Henry Starr's guns didn't jam in that fucking shootout. That's right, revolver. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one of the big things back in the day. Like, those shits used to jam all the time, and accuracy was all fucked up. Like, just the simple shit of being able to shoot a rifle was a skill back in the day. By the time Marshall Dickey made it, the whole affair was over. See, I actually, we sort of overwent this. Was it just me, or I want to hear about the adventures of Dickey and Floyd? <laughs> <laughs> just all kind of deputy in around? <laughs> yeah, they're just out right. I mean, I'm getting the picture. Like, one guy's is saddled, the other one's isn't. Like, they're an odd couple bunch. Like, it's Dickey and Floyd. It's fucking, uh, it's lethal weapon. You know, Dickie's too old for that shit. In the meantime, fucking Wilson ain't got time for backup. He's going in. Go and Floyd in. knows to get under his skin. He calls him Dick, not Dickie. And it just rattles his cage. They didn't even really find him. They were eating dinner at a ranch. And someone said, hey, we spotted him. Hey, is that the Cherokee we're supposed to be chasing? Yeah, that sure is. Let's go get him. Well, hold up. My saddling on this horse. But I got to go. Man, wait. I got to saddle. I'm going, goddamn. All right. Clean your gun. Henry Starr shot Wilson three times, and Dickie for sure couldn't catch him. Like, Henry Starr, he was like a phenomenal horse rider. He was a cowboy. It's a good trade school for outlawing, apparently. Get you a good career as a cowboy. You'll learn all the skills you need to successfully rob railroad depots. This is the new super prequel for Fast and the Furious. <laughs> then in the 1800s, this guy's Dom. He just takes off. Uh, Henry Toretto. <laughs> He's so sweet. His horse has three horsepower. I would watch that, just yeah. by the way. <laughs> They're dragging a safe from the horse through the city and shit. He did, a, he did get his gang together immediately. Right. That's true. They're not a gang. They're a crew. And, <laughs> and their <They're> family. family. <laughs> their whiskey they run is Corona whiskey. I like this prequel. We could do that. <laughs> Instead of Brazil, this is Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh, and The Rock is one of these Dickie Floyd dudes trying to chase him down. Oh, Dickie Floyd is The Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh, nice. I like that. So we can mix <laughs> central intelligence in with... Well, no, because uh, The Rock, Kevin Hart was in uh, Hobbs and Shaw, so he's actually canon to the story. Was Kevin Hart in Hobbs and Shaw? Yep. Where's... Well, like a cameo role. He wasn't a big part of it. But... Well, see, in that case, then Hobbs and Shaw would be Dickie and Floyd. It'd be Jason Statham and The Rock chasing him down. See, now I just want to make this movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to cast this, oh, yeah. except we're not even casting Henry Starr. We're going to... We're casting Henry Toretto, the guy that we made up. Instead of living yeah. your life one mile at a time, live your life one saloon at a time. <laughs> and it's Domstar. That's his name. 
Now, now that he's wanted for murder, the law doubled their efforts to find him. On January 20th, 1893, they almost got caught when they got in a, they escaped a shootout with the Indian police in Bartlettsville. Bartlettsville IT, which means Bartlettsville Indian territory. territory yeah. Yeah. Now, what is the Indian police? That's just like the police. I'm guessing like the, the local tribal police. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, because it's it's technically the, the Indian territories were kind of governed. It was a sovereign nation, kind mm-hmm. of. Well, no, just in my head, going back to the whole he's so Indian that if like the Indian police are actual Native Americans or if they're just People in policing. charge of that territory. No, it actually, no, that would they would actually be yeah. tribal police. Uh, so. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. We're the we're here to police the Indian. Well, we you do know us good old white guys. We're here to police the Indian. Like, do we no, not do that now? I think yeah. we want our own police. <laughs> I feel like that's a hundred percent exactly what we do now. Yes, right. I yes. So. so some things will never change. Like. <laughs> It's just the way it is. <laughs> no, but I was just thinking, they're bad. We do this a lot in this podcast where we almost have to justify their bad guyness at the end of the episode sometimes. Like, he's a criminal. He's getting chased down by a marshal. He shoots him. I can almost be like, that's obviously a bad thing. You don't shoot the police, but it's like, okay, I get it. He's a criminal. He shot the cop. But if he actually has other Indian blooded people chasing him, what's he going to do to them? Like shoot him, shoot him. Shoot him. <laughs> Fuck him. I mean, he does. It's all primar- about survival at this point. He does primarily <laughs> just rob nothing but Indian people. It seems so. Got to do what you got to do as an outlaw. Uh, so outlaw first indian second (laughs) with days of that they ended up getting in a shootout with a u.s deputy marshal named roof cannon who shot off jesse jackson good ass name what's that roof cannon yeah it's better than dickie yeah that's that's the next one somebody has to make a beer for roof Roof cannon (laughs) 14 percent alcohol (laughs) so good you lose an ear I mean, because there's not a lot of good ways that you can make the name Roof sound good, but Cannon, that's one hell of a last name. Well, Roof Cannon shot Jesse Jackson's right arm off, and he surrendered, Henry escaped. (laughs) What did he shoot him with? A I'm cannon. Shotgun. A cannon. <laughs> he took his arm clean the fuck off. My guess would be like, because I'm, I'm a Young Guns fan, so I guess it had to be a sawed off full of uh, dimes or something. Like, not even a real fucking shell in there. Like, shot him with a, a buck and a half. Yeah, because it took me a second. Like, yep, shot his arm. I'm like, yep, he shot, wait, shot his arm off? Yes. Like, damn. Shot his right arm off. Roof Cannon ain't playing no shit. Roof right? Cannon. He ain't no Dickie and Floyd. That's fucked up. You know, Jesse Jackson, you're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get into this outlaw life. You know, maybe you, like your fucking arm is blown off. I should have never joined this motherfucker. I was running my own little whiskey operation all by myself. Her, how hard would it be to, you know, be fast with a six shooter with one arm? Yeah, a single action. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot better than you would be with the cowboy repeater. We had to like... Like, you need that second arm. At least six shooter, you could, like, one hand. I did see, uh, what you was that? You start slapping it with your nose. Terminator. You do it, you flip it around. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> one arm. Terminator. Ask well, the governor. That's that's Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Jesse Jackson, he's no Arnold. <laughs> After Jesse Jackson gets uh, captured, Ed Newsom kind of retires. He's like, you know what? I'm done with this. <laughs> Henry really didn't seem too phased. What he did was he kind of just moved to the other side of Oklahoma and he found a guy named Frank Cheney that was into robbing also. And they went on a streak where they robbed a MKT Railroad Depot, a Hayden store in Chata, and a general store in Inola. So they ended up with over $1,000. 
And then they use that money to put together a new gang. And so. this was uh, Dick Cheney's great grandfather. Yeah. I was about to say, in one robbery, he accidentally shot a, his homeboy in the face with the shotgun. And made him apologize. <laughs> yeah, but made him apologize. To him. I'm sorry I ruined the robbery when I let you shoot me in the face. I should have never stepped in front of your gun repeatedly until you fired. He shouted, Quail! Shot him in the face. Star and Dick Cheney Jr., they grew bolder and bolder, and they uh, they eventually... <laughs> Dick Cheney Jr. <laughs> well, because he wouldn't be that much... Dick Cheney was old as fuck. It that's wouldn't be true. that many that's generations true. ago. You know, that's some true. of these people, that would have to be like their great, great, great. Like, no, that's his boy. That's his boy. That's true. Dick Cheney was no young, young chicken. He was alive back in the Depression right, era. That's so true. This was probably just his dad. Yeah. Not even that many generations We're not going back before. very far in the that's Cheney bloodline. Very true. Old Dick was alive during this <laughs> so they robbed their first bank in caney kansas on march 28 1893 they went in revolvers drawn they locked all the customers and the employees in the back room and they got off with forty nine hundred dollars how much was that back then it's about two hundred thousand hundred and forty thousand hundred forty thousand about 141 Round, if we're rounding up to even numbers. Okay. A little bit, uh, just over a month later, they robbed their first passenger train in Pryor Creek, and they got away with $6,000. Mm. Damn. That's mm. another 172. See, and this is the first, that was the first time that score. they did a passenger train that they started robbing actual people. Huh? Yeah. They keep this up, you know, they're at the equivalent of today's dollars, well over a million dollars a year. Sounds like a good hustle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he has gotten better at this. Yes. It turns out robbery is a good game. Well, Henry Starr developed his career like you develop a good fighter. You know, he's on the regional circuit robbing fucking railroad depots and local stores. You know, just neighborhood spots. Really cutting his teeth on it until he was ready. He didn't, you know, he didn't jump in there too early. He waited. You know, he was on his second gang. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesse Jackson was a little weak anyway, especially once he lost his arm. (laughs) (laughs) And and Newsom clearly wasn't game. He quit right away. Yeah, once he got with old Dick Cheney's great ancestor. What is his name, Frank? Yeah, Frank Cheney. Yep. Oh, Frank, seems like he uh, put him to the test Said, all right, let's start robbing these passengers. Let's start fucking shit up. Let's step our game up. Yeah. Look, I'm not a local whiskey runner, okay? I'm here for some real crime. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for the big stuff. Oh, Frank, the tank ain't fucking around. <laughs> so now they put together, him and Frank put together a big, ga- bigger gang. Henry finds kind of like his uh, his little understudy, a guy by the name of Kid, Kid Wilson, who he'd kind of gang around with for fucking quite a while. June 5th, they robbed the People's Bank of uh, Bentonville in Arkansas. But the problem was by now, Henry Starr was like a real well-known outlaw. And kind of like you said, this is a time where they're now starting to be able to get information out there a little quicker. The second he ran into town, the people started organizing, started putting their their gang together. (laughs) You guys ain't robbing our shit. As they were leaving the bank robbery, they, they left in a gang fight with the posse chasing them out of town, basically. Mm-hmm. See, like I say, when you rob the depots and shit, people don't care. When you start robbing their bank full of their shit, they get kind of pissed. They ended up getting away with $11,000, but they were disappointed because he had to split it five ways. He <laughs> decided moving forward, he wanted to try whenever possible. He had to make either higher stake robberies or operate with smaller crews because he didn't like big splits. I mean, that's well, still, still a good... I mean, how much did you say? 11,000? 11,000. 4,900 was 141. 11,000 Yeah, it's probably like 40-something thousand. So 
that's still a good lick for a month. Yeah. You yeah. know, because it sounds like they're robbing roughly Even about every month. Even five ways, that's better than 1,100 two ways. Like, that's <laughs> still a lot more money. Right. That's a lot better than these mm-hmm. fucking general and stores you, you came barely, up robbing. And if you barely got out of there because you were chased down by a posse, are you really able to do some cutbacks? I mean, <laughs> I think you kind of need somebody on the tail end watching you as right. you run. We like, need to invest in security, not walk away from this. You know what? This bad guy thing, we looked at the numbers. We're going to have to lay a few of you guys off uh, hard times right now. <laughs> yep. You know, this government bailout just isn't happening for us. Now there was increased heat. Uh, Henry had a reward of $5,000 on his head and the gang decided to split up. Henry, Kid Wilson, and a lady friend decided that they were going to go for California. I love that hand a lady friend. So you know, some of the, is that your girlfriend? No, this is my lady friend. <laughs> yeah, we, we just hang out. We just hang out. No, we, keep, we don't put any labels on it, you know what I mean? She's just another gang member, really. So as they're on the run, en route to California, they stopped at Colorado Springs to replenish the lady's wardrobe and do some sightseeing. See, they had to stop to go dress shopping for the lady? On the run? Yeah. Like, that seems like a terrible time to stop off in Colorado and do some fucking sightseeing and shit. <laughs> yeah, they're just on vacation. Like, you know what? We just want to take in the sights. We've been riding so much. Now, sometimes you got to stop and smell the roses. Exactly. I mean, think about it. You got to look for possible hideouts, escape routes, things of that sort aka scenery makes sense to me <laughs> july 3rd 1893 they were discovered at an inn named the spalding house henry and kid wilson were arrested and when they found the room they found the lady who said that she was henry's wife of six months and they found fourteen hundred dollars in cash and 500 in the room oh so see she wasn't just a lady friend well i think it depends on how you who you ask you ask henry and it's his lady friend you ask her and it's his wife exactly <laughs> see she's facebook she's in a relationship on his facebook it's it's complicated <laughs> i think like Single. i didn't necessarily <laughs> realize it like when i was when i was reading it until mm. i put all the pull of all it together and then i seen back to back he called her his lady friend she called her his wife herself his wife like ah if it was that he would be like no we got to keep riding you don't need a new skirt but no she was his wife he's like all right it's like you mentioned social media a lot of men won't update that profile unless they're married you have to say single forever until they get married ah, no single are you sure you've been with her 10 years yeah. 10 years single yeah. and how much money is she she had all the money with her in the room yeah. 1400 in cash and 500 in gold oh yeah see she was his wife yeah you wouldn't just leave some uh some lady friend you just met back at the hotel with yeah. all the cash Starr and Kid Wilson were returned to Fort Smith, Arkansas on July 3rd, 1893 okay. to stand trial. And Starr was charged with 13 counts of highway robbery and one count of murder. Trial was set to be presided over by Judge Isaac Parker, a.k.a. the Hanging Judge. Yeah, he's a, you could do a whole one of these on Isaac Parker. He's a very popular guy back yeah. in the day. I mean, he was Judge that guy, his own nickname, the Hanging Judge. He was, this he is, was hanging everybody. This is uh, Judge... Isaac Parker, the hanging judge, and knows that's a depiction of his gallows at the time, and that's actually it's currently still there. It's like a some kind of historic spot or something, but that's the hanging judge's gallows. He looks like a guy that would have fun hanging people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of getting a team together, when he started getting, I'd have to double check this, it's kind of rough in my memory, but uh, when he started becoming a higher power judge and started getting that nickname, he actually put together his own crew of uh, 
U.S. Marshals. I think they were called the Four Horsemen, and, like, he sent them out to get a lot of high-profile gang members and stuff. Like, a lot of those gangs, the Dalton gang, and I think the Jesse game was already done. There's a lot of gangs that were running out there and stuff, and he's the one that put all these marshals together to start stomping out. He was like Giuliani on a mob activity in New York. Like, the second he got into power, he's like, yep, let's gang up, my Avengers, let's fucking ride out. Not on my watch, motherfucker. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead take a quick break refill our drinks we'll be back in a minute Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube, and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. I see you made the switch from the false tweet over there. Yeah, I didn't make the switch as much as that can was empty and I had this <laughs> other can ready to go. But yeah, now I uh, I moved over to Tiramisu Stout from the Ellis Brewing Company. Tasting here live on air. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh... Tiramisu Stout? Are you, no, are you no, fancy, man. huh? I love the it's way good. that he tasted it. It was almost like when you see wine tasting. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's a good nose. Excellent. <laughs> that's, that's his attempt at this one has legs on it. <laughs> yeah. Let me Google some uh, aficionado words real quick that I can use. It wasn't until we did like a podcast on beer like a year ago that I learned about the different beer. And that's when I discovered, yeah, I like ales more than lagers and learned all this shit. Yeah, this stuff, this ain't bad. I like it. Nice. All right, so when we left off, he was uh, on trial for murder and 13 counts of highway robber with the infamous, well, I guess he would actually just be famous, Judge Isaac Parker, a.k.a. the Hanging Judge. 
as his name would have you believe, Henry Starr was found guilty and sentenced to hang, but his lawyers were able to uh, appeal and secure a retrial. And uh, apparently, I don't know how, but he had some really good lawyers that kept finding technicalities, and he was tried again and found guilty and sentenced to hang. <laughs> <laughs> so then his lawyers appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and in the third trial... He uh, pled guilty to manslaughter and was sentenced to 15 years on January 15th, 1898. Damn, I wonder what uh, technicality they got that on. Because that's from, yeah, you have to die to uh, 15 years. Yeah. Like, damn, that's like one that. hell of a... You know, 15 yeah. years gives me time to escape. Most people on death, <laughs> death row are just happy to get life. Like, yeah. This motherfucker got dropped down to a decade and a half. While he was on trial for the murder, he did that time in Fort Smith, Arkansas. At Fort Smith, Arkansas, he met another mixed-blood Cherokee from Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, named Crawford Goldsby. They they both hit it off because you couldn't have more in common. <laughs> you just meet some random guy <laughs> in prison with you who is also an Oklahoma bank robber from mixed blood. Hey, you robbing Oklahoma? Yep. You have Cherokee? Yep. Did we just become <laughs> best friends? Yep. <laughs> Crawford. Want to go do karate in the train yard? Yep. <laughs> Crawford Goldsby, a.k.a. Cherokee Bill, has been uh, previously covered on the show. You can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, that was actually a D.C. episode. Yes. You're here for Cherokee Bill. On July 26, 1895, Cherokee Bill attempted a jailbreak where he ended up killing a deputy. Shootoff ended up in a standoff. Henry Starr had always, he thought he kind of like was a good kid that was under some rough circumstances, kind of always looked out for him. He went to the authorities and told them that he would attempt to go disarm Goldsby if they would promise not to hurt him, which they eventually agreed to. And he went into his cell and talked him down, got his gun, brought his gun out, and they allowed Cherokee Bill to live where he stayed at Fort Smith, Arkansas, until he eventually was hanged. Mm. Damn. Well, he saved his life temporarily. Like, hey, give me that gun. You had to go back to jail before you get hung. I wonder which one is better. Go shoot it out or sit there and wait knowing that you're going to be hung. What all depends. I mean, in your head, you would think, like, dude, you shoot out. You go in a blaze of glory or whatever. But then when you take a step back and realize, like, yeah, so you're just going to kill a bunch of cops till you get shot or just fucking do your time until... You ride your time out. Well, and maybe he figured the law, as long as he could stay alive, it's a possibility that you could still try to escape. Like, this yeah. escape didn't work, but I can... Maybe that's what Henry Starr told him. Well, yeah, we'll I work mean, on another Henry Starr's like, look at me, dude. I was going to get hung. I got out in 15 years. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> that's probably what... Probably his last words before he was getting hung was like, fucking Henry said I'd get 15 years. Hey, I could have died. I could have wrapped this up in a blaze of glory, man. Yeah. God damn you, Henry. At least I had a fighting chance. This motherfucker said I could get an appeal. <laughs> That's hilarious. Look at me. I got 15 years. I mean, for real, when Let's you're go, talking baby. to that dude, like... <laughs> That's craziness. Well, I mean, if I was Henry Starr, I would believe that, too. I'd be like, dude, you can get out. It don't matter if you got fucking sentenced to hang. That don't mean anything. I've been sentenced to hang twice. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't shit. Come on, baby. You think you're going to get sentenced to hang? You're going to be free in 15 years. Look at me. I've been sentenced to hang so many times. I'm out here working for the cops right now. I'm going to walk out of this room with your gun, and I'm going to be congratulated right now. Live the dream. It's all right henry star once he was found guilty for his 15 years he was transported to uh federal prison in columbus ohio 
And in 1901, with help from his family and the Cherokee tribal government, Henry applied for a pardon to President T. Roosevelt, who thought that he was impressed by the courage he showed under fire to disarm a criminal and protect the lives of more deputies, that he reduced his sentence, and Henry was released from prison on January 16, 1903. So how many years, sir? It would have been... 10. So you go from being getting hung to 10 years in prison and a murder is included. For 13 robberies and murdering a deputy. But that's another thing. Like, I don't get how all those appeals worked. I don't know how now the Cherokee Nation had his back so much. He clearly did all these crimes (laughs) and shot a man. Like, he did all of these things. It wasn't, he wasn't set up for any of this. Our. But he helped him out with Cherokee Bill, man. He said he saved Still works the same way today. You can do everything. Look at nowadays, all the mobsters and stuff that has, like, yeah, he killed 10 people. He killed 15 people. But because he said something or helped them put someone else in jail that they wanted to lock up. He's a free man walking around right See, now. That's it's it. no just, different. He just turned snitch. He just snitched on Cherokee <laughs> Bill. <was> all <laughs> Cherokee Bill had a fighting chance. Instead, he got hung, and this guy's using that to get out. out. Hey, I helped you out with that other uh, half Cherokee dude. Remember that? See, so where he's saying, oh, he was a good kid. I really looked out for him. He's seen that, and he was thinking, he's playing chess. Like, you know what? I can use this to help get out of here. Exactly. I don't don't give a fuck about Cherokee Bill. But still, I understand how they can get the appeal, but why is the Cherokee, I guess just because he's half Cherokee, so they're like, eh, we're going to free everyone we can. Well, I mean, it was 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 much more us against the government at that time still that would be like the limited power that they had when he gets released in 1903 he moves to tulsa and he gets a job at his mom's restaurant there he meets his second wife a lady named ollie griffin he married her in september of 1903 and in 1904 their son theodore roosevelt star was born theodore roosevelt Hey, he named him after the guy that uh, <laughs> that was part of the book. Hey, man, you let me out early. I'll name my kid after you. Right. <laughs> but I looked at he got out of jail. He went back to work for for his mama, and then just found a good girl. Like his mom's like, you better settle down now. Got him a girl. Got him a son. Henry led an honest life for years until he eventually re- reunited with Kid Wilson, and they decided to put together a new gang. <laughs> he just can't help it. <laughs> he just, he's addicted to gang building, man. Good old Kid Wilson. Good old Kid Wilson. Now man Wilson came <laughs> rolling through and got him back in. Yeah, because he did 10 years in prison and then was out for like another three or four. So yeah, old man Wilson. The yeah. kid started off at six, though. He's very old. He's 16 now. (laughs) That that kind of makes that early apprenticeship a little creepy, though. I don't know if I like that. He's he's young adult Wilson. It was the times, man. It's different times now. Different times. It was either you rob banks or you work at a factory. That's the lifetimes of five-year-olds back in the day. March 13th, 1908, uh, Henry, Kid Wilson, and their new gang, they went into the Kansas border and they robbed a bank of Tyro, Kansas. They robbed a bank in Amity, Colorado, and then basically kind of decided, I don't know, it was just like a bringing back the gang for one more tour, because after those handful of robberies, they decided to go in their different directions. (laughs) They were just coming back for one more arena tour, and they were out. From this point on, we don't know whatever happens to Kid Wilson. Like, he kind of disappears from the records. But we know Henry Starr, he went and he spent the summer and fall of 1908 in New Mexico, like in the New Mexico and Arizona territories. Forgetting that he even had a family. He yeah. Just... So, ah, I already joined a gang, did some robberies. Fuck yeah, that I went shit. back to Robin, that old life, whatever. Yeah. Kid Look, Wilson probably was like, hey, I got you back in the saddle. All right, old man. 
It's time to part ways. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's great. I got money now. I don't need that old hag. Right? <laughs> maybe Henry Starr lost a step. Kid Wilson was like, dude, I don't need your bullshit. <laughs> While Henry Starr was hiding out, he wrote a letter back to a guy in Tulsa who ended up betraying him and turned him in for the money. And on May 13th, 1908, he was arrested and extradited to Colorado. Always a setup. Always. Well, we covered the numbers earlier. $5,000 is a lot of fucking money. You know what I'm saying? So November 24th, 1908, Henry pled guilty to the Amity Robin and was sentenced to 7 to 25 years in Canton City, Colorado prison. Damn, he was sentenced to more for that for that robbery than killing the dude and all the other shit. Yeah. Nobody to turn in. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> he, needed another, he needed another Cherokee hey, bill. Yeah. Is, you mean uh, me to talk me. anyone down? The prison I'm going to, are there any other mixed blood Cherokees there? No, damn. <laughs> damn it. Are there any hostage situations you need me to negotiate? Anything. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I'm kind of unofficially certified. <laughs> While he was in uh, Kansas City Prison in Colorado, he wrote an autobiography entitled The Th- Thrilling Events, Life of Henry Starr. <laughs> <laughs> That's that market. The Thrilling Events. That, that moves books. He, he started studying law in the prison library and eventually got a job as a trustee where he worked his way up to where he was kind of helping out like directly with the wardens and the guards. For and, someone who started off like, I hate everyone who's not a Cherokee all the time, he really <laughs> talked to him and became a worker for the man yeah. real quick. He's like, a smart man. He's an opportunist. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say. He impressed the prison authorities so much with his rehabilitation that on September 24th, 1913, he was paroled by the governor with the stipulation that that he never leave the state of Colorado. As I said, opportunist. (laughs) He's like, I know know how to get out this time. Help out the warden. (laughs) Nobody else to turn in. We just help him out a little bit and uh, I'll get off again. It seems like going back to Oklahoma is what gets him in trouble. Fuck it. Stay in Colorado then. Well, he immediately returned to Oklahoma. And put <laughs> <in there. laughs> it's actual. <laughs> it's all a hustle. He didn't really want to work for the man. <laughs> we can't break all these down, but between September 8th, 1914 and January 13th, 1915, there's 14 uh, robberies that have been attributed to Henry Starr. They were all daylight robberies, and they were all like quickly, efficiently systematically pulled off see he, he was like see i can't do better without five people <laughs> i didn't want to go through them all but this is a whole list that is Before, a lot of money now did he wrangle up a new gang or is this just his doing after he got released from prison he immediately returned to oklahoma and put together a new gang so it's oh, the first man. thing he did see he can't help himself though like that's not look at january january they made a lot of money. Yeah, they, yeah, they did, did a they, couple of months till January. They They're did, like, new they year, did. new us. Two on the 12th, Freaking. one on the 13th, one on the 5th. Unfortunately, the one on the 4th, they actually end up losing money. But hey, they made up for it. <laughs> they said, hey, we're going to fuck shit up. It says no money taken, but 1200 in damage. Like, we ain't getting no money, but we're going to fuck this shit up. Let's break something. Yeah. Ain't and no money in that cash register. I'm going to throw it on the floor. Bam. And all of that in Oklahoma, too. And for real, they did two. To a month till January, they just said, fuck it. We're jackknifing. We're doing it all. <laughs> like you said, new year, new me. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, he had <clears throat> spent all his money on Christmas. You know how it goes. You gotta yeah. be cool. <laughs> yeah. Little Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> wanted those new hot toys. He's like, fuck it. This kid's always wanting the newest game station. You know, new Jordans. Those <laughs> yep. new, uh, those new uh, Back to the Future Nikes. <laughs> uh, haven't been known as a fugitive for years. Like they knew his old haunts. 
they hit all his old haunts in the uh, Robbers Roost, Osage Hills, and all the that he'd always hung out at. In the meantime, he spent the whole time living in the middle of Tulsa, Oklahoma, at 1534 East 2nd Street, two blocks away from the Tulsa County Sheriff and four blocks from the mayor of Tulsa. Wow. <laughs> see, you always hide right under their nose. They never see you. Hide in plain sight. It's crazy. On March 27, 1915, Henry and six other men rode into the town of Stroud, Oklahoma. A star's plan was to rob two banks in the same time. Time. They robbed the Stroud National Bank and the First National Bank. As they're robbing them, word goes through the town fast, and they end up in a shootout before they get out of the banks. The gang ends up escaping with $5,815, successfully pulling off a daylight double bank robbery, but Henry and another outlaw named Louis Estes were both shot and captured in the gun battle. That's where a lot of Wild West banks go wrong, because like, these weren't the first people to try a double bank robbery, but anytime one of the old outlaw gangs tried the double bank robbery, it always, even if they get away with some money, at least one or two people's always captured or dies. Like, it never works out. But every now and then, one of these old West outlaw gangs tried the old double bank robbery. You look at it in general, I mean, with criminals, usually the reason why they get caught is because agreed so they probably looked at january and said hey we pulled off two in one day you know we pulled off uh you know back to back days hey let's just do a straight double we run out of one and go to the other and it's like you know you all are pulling off looking at these numbers they're pulling off a pretty penny yeah. you know and I don't think that you need to do a double bank robbery. Like, are you trying to be the outlaw Bill Gates of your time? Well, like, what are you doing? Well, that's what it is. It's not just greed, but it's pride. They want to prove how they can do it. Like, another famous bank, I think they were the first ones to try it, was the Dalton Gang. They were mad because they were cousins with uh, Jesse James, Hunger. Mm -hmm. They wanted to do the double bank robbery to prove that they were better than the Jesse James Gang, which were way more famous and shit. So that's why they they want to do it and i think that's what it is not just like more money i think it's what you said like they want to prove like no nah, we can do the double bank robbery they just want to be known for doing it if it's one thing i don't want to be it's a famous criminal i want to be the criminal nobody knows no. because i didn't get caught <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that is true that is should be what you want but he's actually right that's yeah. what it was was yeah. so the the Doolin dalton gang had tried it and then the james younger gang had tried it and no one had ever successfully pulled it off and he wanted yeah. to be the guy and, and he got shot that's stupid fucking pride you were just rip ripping through bank no fucking problem but see it's one of those things too you say you want to be the quiet but as my man achilles and troy said that's why no one will remember your name. That's right. Fucking <laughs> Achilles. One of the greatest movie lines ever. Yeah. That, and is there no one else? He was sentenced to 25 years. He was uh, transferred to the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in Mac uh, McAllister, Oklahoma. So while he was at prison in Mac McAllister, Henry Starr started a program where <laughs> he would speak to youths about staying away from the life of crime. How is this guy who already, he was supposed to hang, then he got out in 10 years, then he went back to b being a bad guy, then got caught in on probation. And he was like, hey, stay away from crime. Because it's an opportunity. Listen, <laughs> I really care about these kids. So you're going to let me off early, right? <laughs> <laughs> the guy who, who had a million chances to stop being a criminal continues <laughs> to keep on going back. Is now like, you know, I'm going to tell the kids, don't be like me. Don't do crime. I am rehabilitated. That's crazy. When asked that question, he told a reporter from the Oklahoma world, he said, I'm 45 years old now. 
17 of my 45 years have been spent inside. Isn't that enough to tell any boy that there's nothing to the kind of life I've led? I guess, but how about a little do as you say? Like, yeah. like you already did 10 years. You could have not went back and you went back. Like, he must be like, look at me. As soon as I get out of here... I'm going to go back to Robin again. <laughs> Is this what you want? His uh, program becomes so successful that on March 15th, 1919, Star was repro- uh, paroled. <laughs> I told you. It's <laughs> a hustle. It's God a damn. hustle, baby. Started a youth program and <laughs> got himself back out of prison again. <laughs> I know what to do. Well, and you I'm see, it's so he went back to Oklahoma, <laughs> got a game together, <laughs> robbed a couple banks. So, like, he, he makes... Met a woman first. Yeah. <laughs> a couple married. of those kids he was speaking to he he got them in the gang what i like he's for real opportunist like whether it's you know hey i'm gonna talk to on cherokee bill oh i'm gonna work for the warden hey i'm gonna start a program just it's never been this it always works and it's never the same plan it's yes. something different every time but I'm going to start a youth program to keep people out of crime. Dude, you're the worst criminal. Uh, Okay, what are you going to do this time, Mr. Star? Same old song and dance. No, 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 no. I was wrong with what I did before. I'm about the youth now. (laughs) That man's reformed. Let's go ahead and parole him. (laughs) Well, I feel like he must have been extremely likable. He puts together a good record, gets in front of a parole board, and he's got to be just like this super charismatic guy. Mm -hmm. It's so weird because when the the whole story started he sounded like he was a dick like he sounded like a real asshole like a lot of times these super charismatic guys are though like Mm -hmm. you know what draws people's attention is also you know that type a personality is kind of shitty too sometimes it's a switch that they're usually able to turn on and turn off i can be charming and stab you in the back at the same time think about it most of the people for somebody to stab you in the back you have to accept them enough to let your guard down so that you turn your back to him. And they're like, ha ha. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. In the beginning, <laughs> he didn't seem like he was the charming guy. And now I guess he would have to be f- to get out this many times. Well, so now this time. He charmed Cherokee Bill into handing over a gun. <laughs> no, I'm talking about and, and way Cherokee back in Bill the day. It's not is a hard to impress man. No, I'm just talking about way back in the day when he yeah. hated his stepmom like yeah. those days. Like if you didn't have any Cherokee blood, it was fuck you. Like <laughs> now it just seems like everybody gather around. Yeah. I love everyone. Hey, whatever keeps me out of prison, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really what it is. After his release, he wrote, produced, and starred in a silent film called A Debtor to the Law, which portrayed the uh, Stroud, Oklahoma bank robberies. It was immediately a huge success, and he got contracts to work on two other local movies, and then received offers from Hollywood to go out and start doing movies in Hollywood. Nice. (laughs) The name like Henry Starr. He was made to make it to Hollywood. This is crazy. This motherfucker made it to Hollywood. It's a big fucking hit. Debtor to the Law. This is like a Cherokee Danny Trejo. (laughs) He went from a criminal to an actor while he was working in movies this is where he met uh his third wife hold a star from Salisaw, oklahoma and they got married on february 22nd 1920 and moved to claremore oklahoma gotta get a new wife every time you get out of jail <laughs> it really is what happens <laughs> like, gotta get a new it, it's like anytime he goes to jail he thinks a reset button gets hit <laughs> he just gets out and starts something new and there's like hey i'll fucking go back to robert reset now i'm gonna be an actor Reset, new where, wife. Where did he wife. move to? Oklahoma. Claremore, again. Oklahoma. <laughs> this motherfucker can not He's going to go to Hollywood to be in a couple movies. Like, nope, back to Oklahoma again. So now that I have a wife, move back to Oklahoma, movies, mm. putting the game together. 
But he's moving right back to the where his like old wife and kid are at and shit. Like, that's so, old news. So yeah, once he moved to Claremore, news. Oklahoma, Henry and three companions <laughs> on the morning of February 18th, 1920, went to the People's State Bank in Arkansas this and robbed him for $6,000. Gotta put a game together. <laughs> he has an MO. He sticks to it. You at least have to accept that he sticks to his MO. <laughs> he gets a new job, a new wife, still sticks to the robbery. Yeah. And not stop. This is fucking nonsense. This motherfucker's in movies. He should have been hung 20 years ago. Motherfucker riding, riding around like talking to people's kids, being a motivational speaker, then robbing motherfuckers. Yeah. I don't think he liked the robbing as much as he liked the gang building. Like he just yeah, loved he having looked, a gang. He needed a fantasy outlaw like league. Like he just loves the draft. It's <laughs> either that or he marries all the wrong women. And then once he gets married and settled down, he's like, shit, I got to get out of this house. <laughs> yeah, he can't help it. It's like Ricky Bobby's dad. Like, he just gets that itch. Something don't feel right. He's got to get out. That's you ain't crazy. first, you last. That motherfucker, like, gets, like, walks out of the mixer and make sure you go see Debtor to the Law in your local theaters. Like, that's nonsense. This dude's either my favorite or I hate him the most. Like, well, and he wrote, starred, and produced. Like, that's where the real money is, right? Oh, man. While they were leaving the People's State Bank, Henry got shot in the back, and his partners, they fled with the money, and he was just kind of left there. He was carried to the jail across the street where they removed the bullet. While he was on his deathbed, he was bragging to doctors that, I've robbed more banks than any man in America. He said that he never revealed a single partner in any crime. He never shot anyone committing a crime, and he served his time in a, uh, jail like a man. And he bragged that he was the only guy to ever successfully pull off two bank robberies at the same time. But didn't he get captured during that double bank robbery? Yeah, but he wrote a movie about it, so I think yeah, that's that, a push. That's a that's a small technicality. <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a good I mean, story. That like, is successful listen. anyways. It's like Conor McGregor successfully having a title in two weight classes at the same time, but you never defend one title. It's like years later, like, yeah. ah, nah, both titles at the same time. Put put me in the record. But at world. least he <laughs> won the title. This guy got caught. But he, he did, still but the robbed gang, the banks. Yeah, the gang got off with the money. <laughs> he still I robbed guess. the banks. Yeah, my gang, that I was the one guy that got caught. Like, well, we know we know that his gangs are very important to Henry. <laughs> yes. So. yes, they are. Yeah, of course, old Dom Star, they're family. <laughs> of course. Dude, that's good. So even his last bank robbery, he's, he's bragging about how many bank robbers. Like, dude, you just got shot and your gang ran off without you. You didn't even successfully rob this bank. Hey, well, gangs aren't what they used to be. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Based on the things that you all are saying, now that I'm back in jail, I'm going to start an anger management program. (laughs) (laughs) So, paroled in five? The next move would have had to been find Jesus, I'm sure. Like, that's got to be the next one. Next bullet of the chamber. February 21st, 1921, he died with his wife, Hilda, his mother, and his 17-year-old son at his side. He is what's known as transition robber, as he's one of the first guys to have started his career robbing banks on horseback and towards the end finished robbing banks in cars. Oh, kind by of, the end there he was in cars? Yeah, the 1921 bank robbery was in a car. I've seen the report that it was the first American use of a car in a committing of a crime, but when I really dug deep, I found another one from 1914, so that's not true. But it was still really early in the process where not a lot of people, because like we talked about earlier, these towns were half Western where they have horses, but they have... The, the telegraph system and stuff like that. But so that's a fun fact. If you do your own research, it's a fun fact. It's not true. true. That's what's fun about it. <laughs> All right. 
That's the story of Henry Starr. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. We're going to try a new segment before we get into the casting and stuff like that. Doing this story, we see at one point Cherokee Bill pops up, who we've covered before. So yes. go check out the, the Crawford Goldsby episode. But I think most of the episodes, there's always some other supplement characters. If there was one other guy that we were going to cover to dig deeper into from this episode, who do you think would be the guy that you'd want to hear about from the Henry Starr story? Well, I would love to hear the adventures of Floyd and Dickey, <laughs> but like that's just in my head, the characters. I'm sure in real life they wouldn't be. But I would say the only like real person I'd take away from this would be Kid Wilson. That's what I was going to say, but unfortunately you mentioned that pretty much when they separated, there was no other information, but I would love to find out what happened with Kid Wilson. Did he start a new gang or, you know, <laughs> what kind of happened there, you know, because he was like, he was the young guy. So that's the, the passion of the torch. Maybe he took the best of what Henry Starr brought to the table. And he is what you said. He, he dropped off off the table because him and his new gang were so sweet. We never heard about the kid Wilson gang no more. <laughs> Word. I thought Tom the Devil's Own Star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot all about it. Yeah. Yeah. With a name like that. And for uh, Henry Starr to be birthed from his loins. Right. He's probably a good guy. Also, what about the guy that uh, shot off, uh, I forget the other guy, shot off his arm? And Newsom. Oh, Roof Cannon. Yeah. yeah Roof, Roof Cannon. Cannon. Roof How can Cannon. I forget about old Roof Cannon? Oh, well, okay, packing the cannon, <laughs> blowing off Jesse Jackson's <laughs> arm. So now I got the pictures. Uh, I'll show them unless you guys got a pre guess, but we I haven't got seen a pictures. Okay, so if we were going to cast a movie, well, a, a, another movie, because obviously A Debtor to the Law has already been made, so we're going to do... I play my own damn movies. <laughs> so we have to do a remake and shit. So if we're doing a remake of Debtor to the Law, who do we cast to play Henry Starr? So as we were talking, and of course everybody knows I'm not the movie buff, I decided to do a little Googles. Okay. And I remembered... You know, based on one of the movies we talked about earlier before we got on the podcast, a movie called Young Guns. Mm -hmm. And there was a gentleman in that movie named Lou Diamond Phillips. LDP. And in my Googles, oh, La Bamba. I realized he's a Filipino-American. <laughs> <laughs> but he fits the part. He looks the part. And so I would cast him for, for our old Henry Starr. You got any guesses? I don't know, because character-wise, I can think of a lot of people that could play this dude. Like, someone could play, like, kind of charming, but also... I don't really know. Give me a picture. Maybe I'll nail it down. Okay. Don't forget the Cherokee like. heritage. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely can see a Lou Diamond Phillips playing that guy. Well, and we could do, you know, this is my new favorite thing to do on this game. We could do the age reduction shit from, like, uh, <laughs> Endgame or whatever, or from Iron Man. We can have LDP through the years. He could play him all the way up. See, I hate to get caught on the Cherokee thing too much, because that he looks like Christian Bale. Like, Christian Bale. I could see he that looks too. just like him. I could definitely see but, that. But, I mean, it's hard if you just pick Indian actors, because the only thing is... not the, very many. Yeah, the dude that plays Slipknot in Suicide Squad, like that dude. Dude, like that's about all there's that guy from uh true detective season three that yeah. he, he was in uh fear of the walking dead too i thought uh michael pena i don't know who that is yeah michael pena he could i can't explain it to you because i'm gonna just name off five movies that you've never seen <laughs> you probably would know if you've seen him from something he's one of those character actors so yeah but, i mean it's hard to say because i mean he was an interesting character but there are no real good characteristics per se that jump out at me other than he would have to be kind of charismatic which actually Actors by trade are pretty charismatic. Right. I mean, when I look at the picture, Christian Bale just really jumps out at me. But for 
there's so many. I feel like we pick Christian Bale for a lot of fucking people. Well, because well, he's for, a fucking great actor. Yeah, I think yeah. for this picture, too, like, Christian Bale works because, going back to what you were saying before about, you know, there's not a lot of Native American actors because, unfortunately, the white man came in and killed all the Native Americans. Okay, so we have mixtures of Native Americans and people like the guy that I picked that always played some type of Native American or Mexican. He's Filipino. But it fit the part, you know? So that's why I was saying I was surprised to see that, you know, he was Filipino-American. But I think Christian Bale is such a great actor. I definitely think he has the features, the look, and, you know, just him being an actor that would be able to pull off this guy great. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. A standard DEFCON scale goes from five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. On the Bad Guy podcast, they're all bad guys. None of them are good. So five would be Lee Murray, your crack dealing, kidnapping bank robber, where one would be the Purple Gang, where you have multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and you're killing cops on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Henry Starr? I'll take this one first. Listen, Henry Starr is a good guy. He's a six. Listen, (laughs) listen, he helped uh, Cherokee Bill not get shot in his cell. He became a lawyer and helped the warden. He put together programs for the kids. He married three fine young ladies, and he even helped start careers of guys like the name of Kid Wilson. I think Henry Starr was a good guy. I'm going to give him a six. He has like literally one body. We don't really even know if it was his, you know? could have been some other guys in the game listen there was one deputy there the other guy couldn't get his saddle together you know you know how those stories come out we don't know if he really killed the guy he just liked to you know put games together and have fun robbing banks (laughs) (laughs) he's having a good old time out there you know good time couple beers you know (laughs) well i thought i was gonna be loose on this guy until i heard that no my general rule is a defcon 5 is for people with no blood on their hands they just sort of do some criminal activities this guy he killed some but it still was like we said it was a cop chasing after him it's not really in self-defense because you're a criminal and it's a cop trying to catch you but it's in like self-defense in the way that you're a criminal and it's a cop trying to catch you (laughs) so so i don't occupational hazard i don't go as far as you do because i mean he didn't really help cherokee bill as much as he did help those cops not get shot and let cherokee bill go get hung and he pretty much did the youth thing to get out. Like he robbed a bunch of banks, but even in the end, he said like he didn't kill a bunch of people in the process. He wasn't a horrible guy. He still was a bad guy. Of course, I give him a four. It would be a five, but he did have some blood on his hands and he definitely was a diehard criminal. He had a bunch of chances to get out of the game. He chose to stick with it. I, I'd say a four. But it was so damn fun, like building a fort. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all criminals are fun. Most of our DEFCON 1s are fun. I like them. He just but... really loved him a gang, dude. Exactly. He just couldn't yeah. stop making okay. gangs. Is there some sort of fantasy sports league he could have been in? He would have been fine. Yeah, yeah just create a little uh, like Sims, like a, ga- a Sims game where he could build a little gang. He just needed that. Exactly. But then that's the problem. Once you build a gang, you got to entertain them, right? So you got to put some robberies together and it it happens. Even then he was mad because then when they robbed banks, he was like, yeah, we need less of a gang. We can't have five people. Like, so even once he drafted the gang, he's like, you know what? No, new gang. 
He likes to build a character more than he liked playing the game. <laughs> See, I'm 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 tough between a five and a four because he does have that one body, but it was you know I, I kind of have a standard. I'm consistent. I have a shootout policy. You know, <laughs> shit shit happens in a shootout. So uh, well, I factor that in. You yes. know, it's not a and he didn't kill people and commit a crime, but I I really hate that he could have got out so many times and he just they kept pulling him back in he kept jumping back in (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think i'm gonna have to go with four i think if he would have quit if he would have quit after debtor to the law Right, if he would have made that movie and just been yeah, Hollywood star, yeah, I, yeah, I would have called it a five. But when he just he had Hollywood offers in a new wife, and he still said he has the gang version of alcoholism, yes. like he just couldn't sleep. Like ah, he's addicted to the game. Yeah, he was walking around Claremore, alcohol, uh, Oklahoma, seeing three kids that he thought you know showed some promise, and he's like. Uh, just one more time, man. We can get this bank, man. All right, fellas. Well, it's not like I really have a choice because majority rules, <laughs> but I guess I'm going to go over to a four also. <laughs> well, yeah, either, either way, <laughs> like uh, standard standard MMA scoring, it doesn't got to make sense. Like we just say, so uh, two fours and a six, they make that a four. So we do it a majority four. They're moving in. I say we go to DEFCON 4. All right, so now we're going to do, at the end of every episode, we're going to read out uh, any of the rate and reviews. So go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review. We'll read it online. Send us some emails. Send us uh, comments, corrections, just whatever, and we'll read it on the podcast. Also, don't forget, if you ever have anyone that you came across that you may want us to look into, then lock with, uh, look into that person. If it's somebody that's not on the radar, uh, your suggestion may end up being the next podcast on the Bad Guy Podcast. Yes, definitely. And I mean, we're at a stage too. We're still early. So like a lot of your suggestions and reviews really could shape the show because we're we're real open to growing and expanding and seeing where we can take it and everything. So a lot of your reviews help us to shape this show and where we want to go with it. Yeah, a, a lot of the things that we do nowadays, we weren't originally doing until we got feedback. We build this show. to. It takes a village to raise a show. <laughs> <laughs> Our first five-star review is from Jen Lyon914. It's titled, Say Hello to This Podcast. I love listening to these guys. The commentary that complements the gangster information makes you feel like you're sitting in on the conversation. Great job, guys. Keep the podcast rolling. I like that. Cool. I like yeah. that. The reason why I like that is because um, <clears throat> when Locke came up with this you know, idea, that was the, the whole point of it, as you hear in the intro. You know, it, it's basically a bunch of guys sitting around you know, drinking, smoking, whatever, and, and kind of, you know, just the, the talk amongst the fellas. And when I say fellas, that's extended. That's ladies also, but just, you know, amongst the guys, so to speak. So if that's what the person is feeling on the other end of the podcast, that means that we're doing something right, hitting the nail on the head. Well, and especially uh, Locke will attest to this. I'm the first person who really gets mad when people start talking a different way in the podcast. I really hate it. So to hear that people think it is just normal conversation, because this before we even started recording this, this was just us bullshitting around. Like, so anytime we start to drift off and I feel like we're just talking to people, like I'm the first one to be like, oh, that doesn't sound right. So, I mean, the more I hear that, it sounds like a casual conversation. That's exactly what we're shooting for. I think you guys handle most of the conversation. I do most of the uh, stuttering and stumbling <laughs> and kind of rambling about shit, but I, I delegate. I delegate the conversation part. <laughs> Word. 
So our next review from Faf Dave TFTC. It's titled Scorsese Would Be Proud. I'm a huge history fan, and this podcast delivers. I like well, it. Short yeah. but sweet. That's all that starts off with Scorsese Would Be Proud, because, I mean, on this thing, like all podcasts, we originally shot around the idea of doing movie reviews and shit. So, like, to hear Martin Scorsese would be proud, that's, even though I love Mar- Marvel, but uh, Scorsese <laughs> is definitely a good name. Well, I mean... It was already short and sweet. You could have just left it at Scorsese. Would have been proud. Would be proud. But like, bam, that's it. Good enough. That's all the compliment I need, man. I like it. Short, sweet, and simple. And I'll tell you something that's funny. It's hilarious to me that there are a lot of podcasts now that are movie reviews. Because when I first started listening to podcasts, there were no movie reviews. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's coming around full circle. Shit, the fact that there are so many movie reviews is how this podcast got born. Because we're like, well, we can't do movies. That's like, everyone does movies. That's a saturated market. Yeah. Uh, our last review for today is from Ed Saves the World. <laughs> I love the name. Keep up the good work, Ed. We need you. Uh, I actually know, so Ed Saves the World has a podcast named Ed Saves the World. It's like a casual conversation podcast. It's shorter. It's like 15 to 20 minutes or so. Right. So it's a good like uh, commute podcast. We ramble too long for that. <laughs> right. So definitely appreciate the support. His review is titled Ed Saves the World. <laughs> Don't miss it, motherfucker. Ed Saves the World, okay? Like his messages are all the call to actions. It's Ed Saves the World. Heading, Ed Saves the World from the podcast, Ed Saves the World. <laughs> he said, uh, love the laid back vibe while dropping some knowledge. Keep it up. We will, Ed Saves the World, and you keep up that saving. <laughs> I like it. And, and hey, by the way, Ed Saves the World has a podcast. If, if you're on a long drive or you're sitting chilling, give us a, a listen. If you got a quick commute and you want to listen to something good, I haven't heard it yet, but uh, go over. You got a 20-minute commute. Listen to Ad Saves the World. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a cool little market, too, the little 15, 20-minute short ones, because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't want a full-length one. Sometimes all you need is, I just got a quick drive somewhere, just click this on, start it, finish it. Like I said, I was halfway joking, but like I'd like to do a short one, but the way I ramble, there's no way we could. Look, I I listen to movie review podcasts that are an hour longer than the movie itself, so I'm I'm a dork. But like, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, not everybody has that time commitment to, uh, you know, listening to podcasts. I happen to be doing stuff where I can, you know, do it as I'm working a long time, but. All right. Well, that's all we got. You guys got anything before we go? No. No, this was another good, uh, good story. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. All right. Well, thanks. This is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming in last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. We was down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money grab the hundred hams 
Said I done money grabbed a bunch of And bitches. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental ay, ay. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy come in last place You smell that dope when I pass by I like my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.